0: Welcome to Out of the Shallows with Rachel Strange. Here we have honest, thoughtful conversations about Jesus, his people, and his way. We don't have to look away from the hard or weird stuff. We can step out of the shallows. Today I want to talk about the question, if I haven't gotten what I wanted, does it mean that I'm a failure. Have you ever felt like you got a God idea and it just hasn't panned out? Maybe you have dreams that you felt like they were from God. Maybe um, you've had experiences where you felt like God was communicating something to you clearly. Maybe you've prayed for a miracle for a family member and it didn't work or it doesn't seem to be working. If you've been in any of those places, I have too. Sometimes we can go, did I really hear God on that? We can question if we understand his word. We can question ourselves. We can get mad at God. We can do what I tend to do, which is feel like a failure. Like I must be failing because Things aren't turning out the way that I thought. Things aren't happening on my timeline. My life doesn't look the way that I thought it would. So I must be messing up. There are things that I feel like God told me in junior high that I still feel like God told me and I don't think I've seen. Do I just suck? Was God just kidding? Was I just a dumb kid? Do I not have enough faith? am I alone in this? I'm not. And neither are you. Because all of this, all these questions make me think of my guy, Paul in the New Testament. So Paul, in the part of the story that I'm going to share today, he's been traveling all over all over the Roman empire, basically all over the world that he knows. This is in the book of Acts that I'm going to talk about, but he comes to Ephesus, a place in ancient Rome and people he loves dearly are there. And there are people who love him. And so in Acts 20 verses 20 to 24 says, and now compelled by the spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prisons and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to, to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is part of a whole speech and you should totally go read it. But here we see that Paul plans to go to Jerusalem. In the rest of the speech, he ends like this. When Paul was finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed, all of them being all these people at this church in Ephesus who love him and who he loves. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them most was his statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him to the ship. So here's Paul He feels compelled by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem, but he doesn't know exactly what's going to happen there, except the thing that he does know is it's going to be dangerous. It's going to be trouble. There's going to be prison and hardship. And when he tells the people of God that, he says, I don't care. I consider my life worth nothing compared to to showing people Jesus and to the task that God has given him. So he goes. And then in Acts 21, we see this. He seeks out other disciples. He stays there with them for seven days. And through the Spirit, they urge Paul not to go to Jerusalem. So first, Paul's getting urged by the Holy Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And then these other believers are telling Paul, through some kind of urging of the Spirit, to not go to Jerusalem. And this is what it says in Acts 21, verse 5 when it was time to leave, we left and continued on our way. All of them, all of the believers, including wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. And there on the beach, we knelt to pray. After saying goodbye to each other, we went abro- aboard the ship and they returned home. We continued our voyage from Tyre ter- ter- and landed at where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. Leaving the next day, we reached Caesarea and stayed at the house of Philip the Evangelist, one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. After we had been there a number of days, a prophet named Abagus came down from Judea. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it, and said, The Holy Spirit says, In this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, the owner of this belt being Paul, and will hand him over to the Gentiles. And when they heard this, the people there pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. And Paul answered, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, The Lord's will be done. After this, we started on our way up to Jerusalem. So I think this story is interesting on another number of levels. First of all, it seems like Paul has some kind of choice here. The spirit is compelling Paul to go to Jerusalem, but the spirit is also warning Paul what will happen there. And the people who are getting these warnings are not excited about Paul going to Jerusalem they want to stop him. But Paul is a stubborn guy. And when he feels like God has called him to do something, he does not care. He's going to go to Jerusalem. So he gets there. And when the Jewish followers of Jesus see him, they welcome him. There's a whole backstory here of where it got a little complicated with Paul and some of the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem. Paul is the guy who's getting all kinds of Gentiles saved, aka making people followers of Jesus who weren't part of the original Jewish followers of Jesus. And there's all these rumors that he's saying, ah, forget the law. It's not important. You don't have to do any of that stuff. You know, like we're not even really Jewish anymore, all this kind of stuff. Um, And that's not, it's got some truth to it. It's not 100% true. And if you want to deep dive that, I highly recommend Paul by N.T. Wright. He goes into all of this Paul stuff in a ton of detail, and it's very cool. But basically, this group of Jews who aren't followers of Jesus get upset about these rumors because they think Paul is telling all the Jews to stop doing things that are deeply held to them. This is a group that fought to be able to keep the Sabbath, to circumcise their kids, to do their traditions. Like this is, you know, Hanukkah and the Maccabees, if you're familiar with that stuff. It makes sense that they're upset with Paul if he's actually doing what all these rumors said. But when they see him in the temple, they stir up a crowd to go after Paul. And it becomes a riot situation. So because Roman soldiers don't like riots, riots aren't good for the economy and they're not good for peace, they show up and they arrest Paul. And Paul takes this opportunity with the Roman soldiers there calming everyone down to tell the people about Jesus the Messiah because Paul always has to talk about Jesus the Messiah. And he tells them about his experience seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus. Again, if you're not familiar with that, basically just read the whole book of Acts and it will make a lot of this uh, make more sense. But Paul mentions seeing Jesus on the road to Damascus and then being sent by Jesus to the Gentiles all over the world. And when Paul mentions being sent to the Gentiles, the people listening lose their minds and the riot is flared back up again. So Paul almost gets flogged for his role as being basically a stirrer up of trouble. Um, but then he says, hey, by the way, I'm a Roman citizen, you can't do this. And uh, so they stop and then he's back in jail while he waits. And that night in jail in Acts 23, it says this. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Take courage, as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. So here's Paul. He's in prison, just like he was warned would happen. And Jesus comes to him and says, Hey, just like you've spread Jesus here, guess what? You're going to spread Jesus in Rome. Rome. That sounds big and important. That's the capital of the empire. Caesar is there. I don't know what is going through Paul's mind here. But then there's also this factor of Jesus says it's going to be like Jerusalem. Because this Jerusalem thing is currently going terrible. Luke, the author of Acts, doesn't tell us what's going in Paul's head as he gets this vision from Jesus. This message from Jesus. But I have to wonder. Was he nervous? Was he excited? Was he like, oh, great, more people hating me? I don't know. Was he humbled, proud, excited? And then after this, Paul finds out there's a plot to kill him. So he is transferred to a different jail, to Caesarea. And then all along this way, there's more speeches from Paul in Caesarea He's obviously good at that. He's always ready to talk about Jesus. And so in Caesarea, that's what Paul and the governor, Felix, do. For two years, Paul sits in jail. And whenever a governor, Felix, feels like it, he brings Paul in to talk about stuff. Why is Felix doing this? Because he is trying to get Paul to give him a bribe. More Roman appointed leaders come at some point. Paul talks to them all. But then he appeals to Caesar, meaning he says because of his Roman citizenship, I don't want to just talk to you guys anymore. I'm appealing my case to Caesar. They were considering letting him go. He could have gotten out of that right then. But Paul was compelled by the word of Jesus to get to Rome. So finally, in Acts 27, after many speeches and many nights in prison, many talks about Jesus later, finally, you think? We're on our way. We're going to get to Rome. And then storms come and really mess with the ship. Storms Paul tried to warn the ship's captain about. And then Paul and his ship full of prisoners end up on the island of Malta. On the island of Malta, they're building a fire. And what happens? Paul is bitten by a snake. So after all of this other stuff, you know, prison, dealing with this uh, unjust governor guy who's trying to get a bribe out of him, almost getting fl- all this other, all this stuff happens. And then he's bitten by a snake on this island, which isn't even where he's trying to go. And he wouldn't have ended up in if the people on the ship would have just listened to him. And what happens when he's bitten by a snake? Well, everyone thinks he's going to die. He doesn't. In fact, miraculously, nothing happens to him at all. And Paul uses this as another opportunity to talk about Jesus. He spends three months on Malta, and then off they go. And Paul finally arrives in Rome in chapter 28 of Acts. Years after the promise, years imprisoned, Years of speeches and conversations, and depending on the generosity of others to meet his needs because he's in prison, Paul's in Rome, in house arrest, waiting to talk to Caesar and preaching to anyone who will come and listen. And that is the end of the book of Acts. It takes Paul two plus years from the time of the vision of Jesus to the time of getting where he's supposed to go. And not one step of it. Is pretty. You know, things being pretty or Instagrammable doesn't mean you are or aren't in the will of God for your life. But Paul preaches every step of the way. And honestly, there are some parts of this that probably were pretty Instagrammable. He got to see important people, he got bit by a snake and survived, but also a lot of it was hardships as Paul was told. And Paul's ready for it all, ready to talk about Jesus to people on the boat, to judges and officials, to people standing there when he gets bitten by a snake. Through all those hard things, God was finding a way to work. Through miracles and through mission, through speeches and through nights in prison, Jesus was doing something in it. One of the times that Paul is in prison, he writes Philippians. The, the a letter to the Philippians. And in that is one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. It's Philippians 4.13. You've probably seen it on very popular sports gear and stuff like that. I can do all things through Christ, it says. Let's read it in a little bit of context. I'm gonna start in Philippians 4, verse 10. I rejoice in the Lord greatly, because once again you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need. I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Here's Paul from prison, talking about how other people have met his needs, thanking the Philippians for helping to meet his needs. And he says, I've learned how to be content no matter what. Shipwrecked on Malta, in prison, on the beach, playing with my friends, wherever he is, he can do all things through Christ who strengthens him. Sure, let's lean on Christ on the basketball court in the boardroom and all of the like, cool, high powered places that we like to apply that verse to. But when we make that verse just about that, we miss the depth. Paul has been in all the places, the good ones, and the bad ones, the extremely Instagrammable, and the extremely never tell anyone about this. And he can be happy regardless. Why? Jesus strengthens him. In prison, Paul is good. In house arrest, Paul is good. Traveling and encountering resistance, Paul is good. Wherever he is, he is Sure, he gets frustrated. Anyone who has ever read Paul of Le- Paul's letters can see plenty times when Paul gets frustrated. But he looks up for his hope. Not at his circumstances. Not at his frustrations. Not at the drama happening at the churches around him, aka the reason he writes most of those letters. He's content in all things if we base our rightness with god our contentedness our happiness on our circumstances we will miss it we can be content in all things maybe it sounds cliche maybe it sounds too easy it is easy for me to say this to you in this microphone when it you know isn't about this current seemingly impossible situation i get that but Paul had seen it all. He'd been through it all. And he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I would say that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We can be content in every circumstances. We can find the beauty in what God is doing, even in the mess that the devil makes. Because we can do all things through Christ who Strengthens us. If God sends me, I'm going to go. And I will trust him if there is opposition or if there, it's easy, if it's painful or when it's fun, if the bank account is full or the pantry is empty. Either way, I will know how to be content in all things. And I will know that my God will supply all my needs. Dear Christians, When I get on various social media places, I see you get riled up about a lot of things. Often I see when we put our hope in politics, we freak out when we don't like what's happening or we stress about this cultural thing or that cultural thing. We make 20 posts because we don't like that some pop song is vulgar as if pop songs being vulgar is a new thing. And I think, man, I get it, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Do I have to get riled up about every little thing? Do I have to stress about every cultural wave that I don't like? Just because things don't look the way that I want them to doesn't mean that God isn't doing something, hasn't done something, and won't do something. And I would push it further. Just because the prayer looks or seems unanswered doesn't mean you have fallen out of favor with your father. I wonder, while Paul waited, he was transferred from one prison to the next, had to deal with this guy trying to get money out of him. Did he think, was that real did i just eat bad hummus before bed did i really hear jesus i don't know but it took a long time for the that vision of jesus telling him go to rome and preach the gospel to come true the prayer might have looked unanswered by the circumstances but paul stood fast on what jesus said he would do and he was content in all things through that Jesus who strengthened him. I wanna challenge you, be content. When you don't like something you see in culture, when you feel misunderstood, when things don't go your way, when your guy isn't in office, when you don't like your job, When someone is sick or hates you or misunderstands you or lies about you or whatever, be content because you can face that situation through Christ who strengthens you. You don't have to stress or worry, but you can know he is with me. I can do all things. I can face anything. I know how to be content through Christ who strengthens me because Jesus is in me and Jesus is in you let's pray god help us to see where you are working in our prisons or our snake bites in our pains or our victories when our ship feels like it's wrecking we hold to you the truest security god if we feel like we have nothing Remind us we could never have nothing when we have you. When the direction seems hazy, remind us what you have told us. When we want to give up, remind us to do all that we can do to stand in you. When we feel like the world is against us, remind us that when God is for us, who could stand against us? Help us to not get riled up about silly things, but trust you. Help us, like Paul, to hold fast to where you are leading and to be content even when we haven't seen it yet. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to Out of the Shallows with Rachel Strange. You know, I want to remind you again that we are having conversations on my social media pages. I like to ask what I called this last week or a couple weeks ago. Mildly spicy questions, maybe some polls. I'm really just uh, wanting to make this not just Rachel talking into a microphone, but a conversation. I want us to engage in this together. So if that sounds cool to you, head over to Out of the Shallows pod, both on Instagram and Facebook. Also, if you haven't already, please leave me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Um, Reviews on Apple Podcasts help other people know that this is a podcast that's worth their time, that they can trust it. 13 of you at the moment that I'm reading this have left me reviews, and three of you, have left me actual written reviews. So thank you. I am going to read one of them. This one is written by She Henningman. And this is what it says. Rachel has a genuine wisdom and authenticity that help relay hard questions she really digs deep and searches for ways to connect and bring us through hard topics and confusing content she doesn't sugarcoat or present the word in a surface way but leads people through god's word step by step great listen thank you she henningman for that review also i did not realize how awkward i would feel as i read a review about things that i said out loud it felt braggy But that's what podcasters do, right? Like, I think that I'm doing something, so that must be worth your time. Here I am talking to this mic. Anyway, this got awkward. So thank you for that review. She, Henningman, I will definitely high-five you the next time that I see you. I also baked one reviewer a Key Lime Pie. So, you know, leave me a review. You'll get a tasty treat, maybe who knows? Either way, thank you again for listening. Uh, Really appreciate all of you guys. You're the best. I have really enjoyed the various conversations that I've gotten to have as a part of doing this. So uh, have a great couple of weeks. I will see you with a new episode then.